Hi, I'm all the way back here. I'll move back because nobody needs to see my pores like that. Welcome back to another episode of Bio Psycho Social. I am Jordan. I'm a nurse. And I'm Kayla. And my job is wine. And here we are at the Mojo Dojo Casa House. Yes. yes. It's better than Ken's. Mm-hmm. Uh, been a while. Been a minute. Been a minute. I went up north and made this beautiful pendant that some of y'all can see at a glass bowling class, and it was really fun. And I went down to New York City and made some memories with Victoria. We love that. Hi, Victoria. I went with my husband. Hi. <laughs> so it was good times. Victoria was- is my husband. <laughs> Wait, Karma <what? laughs> <laughs> is your boyfriend. I have like a wine ring, you know, like when you drink red wine. And it's like, well, on the now inside I'm self conscious. That's okay. Even worse when it gives you like purple teeth. Yes. Or purple tongue. Yeah. So we made some mulled wine. We did? Yes. And Kayla made some delicious pumpkin bread. Because it's fall, y'all. It's fall, y'all. Happy fall. We're those basic bitches that love fall. season. Yes, we are. We are. It is before my mood takes an absolute shitter in the winter. Mm. So this episode's pretty sad. Um, not that any of them are real are real humdingers in the realm of happiness, but this is especially sad. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give a content warning on this one for infant death mm-hmm. uh, because this episode unfortunately deals with a lot of it and it's quite sad. Um, so the case that we'll be dealing with today is that of Lucy Letby, who was a nurse in the United Kingdom in Britain. Uh, that was found to murder her patients, and she worked with with infants, so she um, was found to murder children. Um, This was a hard one for me, especially as a healthcare worker as well. Um, I'll get into the ethics and all that stuff um, in the episode as well. I watched um, a BBC One documentary um, that covered her case and her trial and her sentencing. So that was about an hour. I found it on YouTube, if, if if you are so inclined. And I just skimmed through some things I found online. Yeah. Um, So Lucy Letby is a 33-year-old nurse from England convicted of murdering seven babies and attempted murder of six more while she worked in a NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit. She also, I think she was from Herefordshire. Yes. Not from Hertfordshire, which is where I was. She, her mother had a difficult birth with Lucy herself. Which was part of the reason she was inspired to become a nurse. Yes. Um, So she killed these children by poisoning them, injecting them with air and force feeding, which I will get into more later on, and was sentenced to life in prison or 14 life sentences, which we've discussed in previous podcast episodes, is um, to have the sentence so long that even if it gets reduced, it still turns out to be a life sentence. Right, it's to kind of not discourage the appeals process, but make the appeals process redundant. I mean, I don't know what UK law looks like, but I can't imagine it's that different than our system here in the United States. Um, She was described as having no empathy throughout the court case as well. Um, For herself. For herself. So I want to like get into nursing a little bit. Obviously, I am a nurse, half the premise of the show. So a Gallup survey uh, showed that in the past 21 years that nursing and nurses are the most trusted profession. And 
As a matter of fact, most of the Gallup surveys have shown nurses being the most trusted profession. It's been 21 years in a row um, because after September 11th, rightfully so, firefighters were given the number one distinction, as they should have. Most, most for recent history, nursing is the most trusted profession in people's eyes. And I don't say that to toot my own horn because I am a nurse. Um, it just shows the amount of trust that people have in nurses. And I know I myself and the other nurses that I know and work with and respect take that very seriously. People come to you with their issues because they feel like they can trust you. And that is a huge responsibility and is not one that nurses take lightly. You don't get into the profession for shits and giggles. Like you don't get into it to be rich. You don't get into it for... It's not enough money. I mean, it's... You're... Most nurses that I know have gone into the field because they want to help people. You do. You want to help people. And the big difference with nursing and the other professions that they are compared to, the other first responders, um, the main difference besides it being female-dominated, nurses, and this is my personal experience and my own observations on the impression, nurses do not cover for each other. Mm. Nurses don't cover for each other. Other professions, you'll see, you know, the sort of camaraderie and they're sort of a brotherhood where they'll cover up for, you know, a bad seed or a bad apple. Nurses tend to not do that. Nurses will sell you out really freaking quick. There's also more at stake for nurses. It's true. You can lose your license. You can never practice again. You can go to prison. You can get fined. You can be disciplined by the hospital you work at. But like Mm -hmm. if you're a cop. You don't have a license. You don't. You're not registered. Mm-hmm. You don't have ins- insurance, right? Like most nurses have right. liability insurance, you know. And unfortunately, in the United States, we can't count on like. Well, there's no third party group really that's right. that's paying attention to bad apples in that category of people. No, the same is true with therapists, right? Like our code of ethics, and nurses have code, codes of ethics yes. as well. Our code of ethics says that. If somebody is doing something that you think is not kosher, that you should, depending on the circumstance, right? Like if it's not an immediate danger situation, you should approach that person and say like, hey, I don't think you should be doing your sessions when you're drunk or something like that. And give them an opportunity to correct it. Sure. And if they do not, you bring it above their head. Like, exactly. Full stop. And yeah. the reason why that's so important is because not only do we take seriously the gatekeeping in our professions, but we don't want patients and clients to get hurt. No. At the end of the day. No, we're very, yeah, nurses are very critical of themselves and they're very critical of other nurses. Yes. I remember when I was in school, there was um, a student when I was in a nursing program was caught cheating and the school ended up giving um, a few of these individuals another chance. Mm -hmm. They were fucking socially ostracized by the other nurses. Yeah. Nurses were like, yeah, fuck them. We're not doing that. Because it's hard work. Yeah. It's really hard work. And so if you cheat, you're undermining that hard work that exactly. everybody else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. The nurses, yeah, fuck that. Mm-hmm. So, so this is, so this is pretty high stakes and this is a huge thing because I, I feel really deeply and really feel this really, really personally because I love my patients and 99.9999% of nurses do as well. And the fact that this woman was found to have harmed them deliberately is really, really, really fucked up, mm-hmm. especially children. These were small children. So the NICU or the neonatal ICU 
is the sickest of the sick babies. And kids are there for various reasons. They were born prematurely. They had some complications due to their birth, a multitude of reasons, and could have varying degrees of stuff happening with them. But they they were still very, very fragile and sick kids. My nephew was in the NICU for a little while yeah, because it was a very complicated, not very complicated, but it was a complicated birth, Mm -hmm. the difficult birth. And um, he was the biggest baby there because he was full term. And most of the babies there were premature and they were tiny, tiny babies. They're little, like the stethoscopes for NICU babies are like quarters. They're tiny or even like the little diapers. Like if you look it up, the NICU diapers, they're like, they they look like they could go on a Barbie. Um, Teeny tiny babies. And also there was a baby there that was born addicted to drugs. So he was in detox, essentially, right after he was born. So these are very, very vulnerable babies. Right. I mean, babies are already very vulnerable. So Exactly. And they're there for various reasons. And there are plenty of kids that go to the the neonatal intensive, the NICU or the neonatal intensive care unit, I'll start calling it just the NICU now, and go on and do very, very well. But the purpose of going to a higher level of care is so that you have more specialized attention. Just like the ICU for the adults and the other, you know, they have ICUs for neuro and cardiovascular and surgical ICU, medical, you know, they have many different ICUs and it's, so you can get a higher level of care. Usually the ratios are a lot smaller. The nurses have fewer patients Mm -hmm. and they can do more on those units and those floors. They can do some interventions or give medications that require more monitoring. They can give more assistance, um, with breathing and airway. So they just have the capabilities of doing more stuff. I was never an ICU person. That is not my gig. A lot of people love it. You know, it's like, um, I always say with nursing, there's kind of an ask for every seat. Yeah. I mean, Um, the same is true for therapy, right? So you've got like, um, like partial hospitalization would be like the most intensive step below inpatient, right? So PHP is you're going to treatment every single day of the week or five days a week, I should say. And that's takes the type of person that is not me. Right. There's people that that work in the emergency room and it's like the wild, wild west. And I have friends that work in the emergency room or have, and they love it. I did hospice. I did home care. Um, I work in oncology. That's always been my thing. And there's, there's nurses that are like, you do it. So I don't have to, um, bless them. So anyway, so back to back to Lucy. Not that I not that I want to see you next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so this all started with um, twin boys that were born ten weeks early, which isn't terribly uncommon for twins. Viable outside the viable, day. absolutely. Um, point of viability is twenty weeks, and that's probably in recent years viable outside the uterus. That is still a very 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 small fragile baby. Brought to the NICU at five days old, one of the babies became very sick. This was in 2015. Yes. Uh, They were found to have, um, he was found to have blood in his mouth, was screaming inconsolable because that is the only way babies can communicate. Uh, Lucy was bizarrely calm, which... I kind of expect a nurse which to I be would, calm. Yeah, <laughs> we're very calm in emergencies. Yeah, we tend to be very calm in emergencies. You don't need the nurse freaking out. Right. I'll tell the patients, you can be scared because I am not. But you're still moving quickly. Like right. bizarrely calm. Urgent. Yeah. You have a sense but of urgency. Scared. You're like, that's a baby who's coughing up blood. That's always, that's never okay. Um, the baby ended up coding, um, not breathing, not, could not find a heartbeat, and was found to have died. 
uh, and they didn't do an investigation. They listed the cause of death as the baby being born premature and was suffering from a bowel condition. Um, a word on causes of death on death certificates, a lot of times they're very vague. Um, sometimes the death will be respiratory failure, which is died by not breathing or heart failure, died by heart not working. Right. So, I mean, just because you have a body examined by an ME doesn't mean that they know enough to be able to exactly pinpoint the cause of death. And they're not exactly examining it. A lot of times if a death is expected, if uh, somebody dies on hospice, they die at a very old age, um, they die after an like a complicated illness where it makes sense that they died. Um, there's not an investigation. They don't get an autopsy. Um, there are protocols in the United States, or at least in our state, um, if you die within 45 minutes, not 45 minutes, 24 hours of being admitted to the hospital, you have to report the death and they'll say if they want to take it as a case, and I which think, can happen. That's not to I say anybody did anything wrong. If there's no suspicion of homicide like there's no suspicion of foul play if you will mm -hmm. that if the if a person dies suddenly and unexpectedly the family can choose right. to do an autopsy but if it is suspected to be a homicide then i think that choice is kind of taken off the table right right but as far as in medical facilities at least here there is great you know the criteria is if it was unexpected or something was weird about it or if it was in 24 hours that being said, somebody can roll up into the hospital and be really, really sick. Like on death's doorstep. Yeah. yeah. Like I felt when my kidney was infected. Little kidney. <laughs> Walked in there and everybody, literally everyone outside the ER, everyone inside the ER was looking at me like, doctor, can you please help Look this, at this woman? woman. Yeah, kidney infections are no <laughs> Forgive me. Pill. Do something about her. She don't look good. So after um, the baby died, Lucy bathed and dressed him. Which, again, is not weird. One of my friends is a social worker. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons she chose not to be a social worker in a hospital is because a baby died. And it was, a, I think, a toddler. And she helped to, like, prepare the body for mm -hmm. the family. So yeah. she took, like, a clipping of the hair and, I think, cut the nails, things like that. And she was like, I can never do that again. It's hard. It's very intimate. And it's very sacred and it's beautiful. You know, I've done it many, many times, not with a child, but I have done it with adults. It's hard. Yeah. Not to mention you work with kids and you also see cases of abuse and things like that all the time. Right. Especially in hospitals. I mean, I don't know how they do it. You have to have a strong countenance for that. You do. Like I said, there's a place for all of us here. Previous to 2015, that um, NICU saw two to three deaths a year. Which... It's reasonable. You've got some sick kids. But the medical uh, practices and the resources that we have to take care of sick kids is a lot better than we had even in the past few decades. I always know. think about that when I come back from a hospital stay. Like, Can you imagine? If this were like the 1700s, I'd be dead. <laughs> right. Or even within the last 100 years and our parents are in our grandparents' lifetime, there was stuff that people just weren't surviving or living as long as they are with heart yeah. failure and cancer. There's people that are living years, eventually dying, but with really shitty diseases. Um, and infant mortality in the past, you know, a couple hundred years in this country has greatly decreased. And Even I know it's still pretty bad. It's still bad. It's still too much. You know, any of it is too much. 
But, you know, so two to three deaths a year was reasonable. Um, in 2015, the death of this uh, baby boy uh, was the fourth death that year. And this was in the summer. And Lucy Ledby had been promised, I mean, promised, um, had been present on all shifts. This is a pattern. I feel like all of the other nurses that worked on that floor were looking at her like I'm looking right now. Something's <laughs> off, girl. That's what they're saying. Something's off with you, hun. I feel like the pat, like the first couple, you wouldn't necessarily. No. You wouldn't necessarily Before notice. Before and this bitch is there every time? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, there are a couple, like, I swear it's like it runs. Like, and any nurse that works, any nurse will tell you this, like, codes come in spurts or deaths will come in spurts. You know, you're just like, Jesus, you can't, like, you know, and it really, it takes a lot out of you and it's really exhausting. But it's, it follows the same pattern. You know, you get, yeah, you get into a jag with it. But it also depends on the population of people that you're dealing with. Yeah. So they did, you know, so during all of this, during all of the trials, the parents and the children's identities were kept secret. So they wouldn't be re-traumatized any more than yeah. they already so had So they were been. called like baby A, baby B, baby C. Correct. Um, and the babies that they were found to have died didn't have life-threatening illnesses. Right. And the causes of death were broad, just like we discussed. You know, you get a doctor and said, okay, baby was premature. Maybe this, maybe this, that, that happened. Uh, <laughs> Courtney is responding to my... Yeah. Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Courtney, it's not an appropriate time for you to respond to the 50 <laughs> messages I sent you. <laughs> Please stop. Um, she did, they did recover texts that she texted her coworkers that she was upset about the deaths, which is an appropriate response. Sure. You know, just like, Jesus, can I think I texted you. I was sitting under my desk at work and said, I'm not coming out until the world makes sense. And you said, you still under there? <laughs> no, I got hungry. <laughs> and she was also, and then in October of 2015, a fifth baby died on the unit. Again, she was there and acting a little too chipper after the death, which again, there is compartmentalization. Yeah. That is a weird thing about being a nurse is you'll go from a patient dying in front of you or watching someone die or watching somebody in the dying process. And then you have to go take care of your post-op patient or go to the grocery store and pretend like you didn't just see that. Um, but in front of your coworkers? Yeah, it might. Mm. Or just in general. Yeah. Because if you think too hard about it. I mean, I guess. I just, like, I can see someone not being chipper. Like, begrudgingly kind of like, okay, well, that happened right. and it really fucking sucks. But I have a work to do. Up we go. Yeah. Um, and I don't know who described her as chipper. If it was a family member, that made sense. The concerns were brought up by the physicians. They said, this is fucking weird. And were brought up to her manager. And the manager was like, nah, couldn't be me. Couldn't be her. Which is, this is why people don't like management. It's all, not all. And I don't know how the NHS is run, but of course, here in the United States, hospitals are corporatized. And at most hospitals, the people who are at the top running them have never had a clinical experience in their entire fucking lives. Never wiped an ass. Um, so, you know, what, bringing this, something like this to their attention, what they're thinking is... What is this PR going to look like? What are the optics yeah. going to look like? What are What's going to be the effect on business? What is going to be the profit margin? 
uh, difference if we come out with this, right? Because there was a whole series, several, because you can make several uh, seasons of this kind of topic, Dr. Death, yeah. where, you know, there were issues with doctors that were brought up and nothing was done about it. And these doctors were able to move from hospital to hospital or clinic to clinic with no repercussions to what they were doing, which was literally killing people. Right. It's, it's insane. That's my critique on the American healthcare system. I don't know how, I, like I said, I know like uh, the NHS is government run. It's not privatized and corporatized like it is in the United States. So I don't know how different it is. And I don't know if they have people running the show that like actually know what they're talking no, about. No, they cited some stuff in here okay. that, um, like, I, especially, good. No, especially in Britain in the last few years, things have been going in a weird direction, you know, after Brexit and all. Everything's been going in a weird direction. Right. Um, her friends from high school, her group of friends came on and defended her. By the way, I think we can agree you're on your fucking own. <laughs> I say that all the time. I say that all the time. Like um, Eight Passengers, that YouTube channel Uh where they had the six kids and they were obviously abusing them. I mean, any family channel, in my opinion, is exploitive to begin with. It's true. But after she was arrested, I mean, it was a whole thing. There's a ton of YouTube videos about Mm -hmm. it if you're interested. But her sisters made these videos where they were like, well, we didn't know what was going on or we couldn't stop it or... I'd be calling the cops on my sister myself. Oh, yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? 100%. I'd take those kids and I would say, hello, DCF. These kids are not coming back until you do an investigation. Goodbye. Click. They're coming to my house. I don't give a shit. Because no. our job is to protect these vulnerable people, children. Right. Full stop. So right. if you were accused of doing something, I would be like, doesn't sound like her, but I'll give you what I have. Yeah, it doesn't sound like her, but she's on her own. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Or um, if you were committed of sexually assaulting somebody, which is a very, very fucking high burden of proof so much, though, that you got a couple of life sentences in jail, wouldn't be writing you a letter. No. 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 Especially if it was bad enough that even Scientology couldn't save you from three. Three? Was that three? Well, 30 years. It was three. um, I think you only got convicted on two, but two. Two. That's a lot. Years. That's kind of a lot. <laughs> Couldn't be me. It's, Could. not, it's not a good look, Ash and Amila. They've got a head. Scientology has something on them. That's the only reason they wrote those. But anyways, that's a that's for that's alleged. That's my opinion, and that's for another podcast. That's another. That's another story for another day. It's called Sure of Violence. Uh, anyway, uh, so she was. Oh, she, they did the whole. She was the kindest person I know. Do you just not know a lot of people? Um, Maybe they know a lot of terrible yes. people. Maybe, maybe, maybe Shit, they so just keep bad company. Yeah. You know. Um, also, here's the thing. Bad people don't advertise that they're bad. No. Like we were just talking about, Ted Bundy worked at a sexual assault hotline. Right. Yeah. People, you don't get close enough to abuse people if you are outwardly an asshole or outwardly a terrible person. No one's going to get close to enough for you to abuse them. Right. Yeah, what do they think? People just wear a shirt that says killer? No, I always say to my clients, if you sat down with someone on a first date and they punched you in the face, would you ever go out with them again? No. The answer is always no, but abusers never present themselves like that on the first date, the first year, the first, you know, it doesn't come out until you feel stuck and then you have, you don't know what to do. Right. Right. 
Yeah, nobody. Yeah, nobody writes racist on their forehead. But yeah, people don't. Well, it, well, once in a while. Yeah, they're more so. <laughs> their hats are out in their their stupid khaki pants and their polo shirts. Yeah, red hats and tiki torches. <laughs> I can't. Um, yeah. So yeah, people aren't just going to walk down the street and go, "Guess what I did today." No. So it's. You know, so, and I get that you don't want to believe that about somebody that you love and care about because you're like, what does that say about me? But still, you can say that in such a way of that's not the, like you said, that's not the person I know. And I really hope it's not true. And I'm really sorry all this happened. And I wish it wasn't true. I think in Lucy's case, and I don't know if you get into this further, but uh, I think that she, She's a psychopath, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that she got into nursing for the accolades she thought that she was going to get. So yeah. um, someone like that is going to do their best to save face. Yeah. And I've seen oh, over my career a handful of clinicians that not necessarily are psychopaths, um, but definitely went into the profession for the accolades. And by the way, it is too fucking hard to yeah. come into the profession for the accolades and to do a good job at it. It's like parenting. You know, if you like question if you're a good parent or not, you're a good I mean, parent. And any profession where you're saving lives mm-hmm. is not an easy one. No. Right. So if that's the kind of like recognition that you want, you better be prepared for some hard work because like nurses, <sighs> doctors, firefighters, like those are not easy jobs. No. <laughs> and I think I've said it. I don't know if I've said it on on here before, but I have said it in life. Think about a time, besides me, where you call 911 or you found somebody passed out on the floor or you saw a car accident or you saw a building on fire. That's burned into your memory. That's a core memory. You were like, holy, like, and you were shaking up afterwards. Mm -hmm. What if you went to work every fucking day? And that's what you did. I have called 911 so many times. I can't remember the number of times. I have seen so many people die. I can't remember how many people. I can't remember all the people. It's crazy. That's why there's a lot of mental illness and a lot of substance abuse with first responders, a lot of PTSD, a lot of trauma. And they're not well taken care of at all. But that's another podcast for another day. And that's not what happened in this situation, too. Plenty of healthcare workers are traumatized and dealing with a lot of bad stuff and they didn't kill anybody right yeah they've seen people die and blame themselves for killing people but it wasn't that's usually yeah i mean i would argue that it's usually an internalization instead of an externalization exactly after this another five babies almost died over the same time period again lucy was on shift and was seen standing over a baby that wasn't breathing it didn't take me that long. I didn't learn this in my fancy nursing school training. If somebody's breathing, you have to do something about it. Some, unless they're on hospice. That you, well, you do something about it. You hold your hand to make sure they're cozy. Doctors noticed a pattern again. Went to the nurse manager again. They sent it per my last email with no response. Another three babies almost died. And then she was caring for triplets. And two out of the three babies died. They were not in poor health. They were just probably on the smaller side because they were triplets. At what point do you... Now, I don't know what I would do in this situation. I've never been in this situation. I hope I'm never in this situation. Me too. So I can't say how I would have reacted. And I the the blame is squarely on Lucy Letby. Nobody else in this situation. But like, at what point do you not take matters into your own hands? The hospital is little to blame for this too because they knew that there was a problem and they didn't... All you had to do was move or shift. 
Insane. Insane. Yeah, and that's what they've done. I've heard heard of that happening before. That's how they investigate and see what happens. Yeah. Not that you want, you know, anybody else to get hurt. No. Or she goes on vacation. You see if anything happens while she's gone. Or nurses typically work 12-hour shifts. Do you cluster her shifts to... Do you give her three in a row and then she's got a week off and you see right if there's a if there's a drop um so they contact the nurse manager again for a third time and it still falls on deaf deaf ears and another baby almost died nobody used the bcc function in their email i think i do that all the time always cc people no bcc oh so they can't say blind carbon copy yes so you you loop your manager or their manager into it and the person receiving it doesn't know that someone else has been looped into it I usually am wanting a response, so I make sure that they can see it. Yes. Well, I there, do that there are, both, there are times you want to do both. Oh, right? that's true. So there are times you want the person receiving it to know, hey, your manager is going to see this, so you better fucking respond. Yeah. And then there are times you don't want them to know. That's when you use the BCC. I'm a fan. She was removed from the NICU three weeks later onto administrative duty. And there were consultants brought in. To try to figure out what's going on in the hospital because all these babies, um, and a lot of t- hospitals have an internal reporting system and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a non punitive thing, how to do it better. Um, I do so many of them because I'm a nerd. Mm-hmm. Well, because I, you want, you want to be able to track things. Right. Like you can't be the only person that's having a hard time with this and that's how stuff gets better. And you, and that's how nurses are. They're very, yeah, usually a very accountable group of people. You say like, hey, this is a pattern I'm seeing. And this is like dumb ways. I think one time I was all up in arms because we got new needles and there wasn't a good safety guard on it. I'm like, someone's going to get a freaking needle stick on one of these. And I don't want it to be me. You have to be like me and... Well, you're supposed to tell your doctor if you could jump with a needle. And my cat has diabetes and... If I had to call the doctor every time I jabbed myself with one of her needles. Do we have to talk about safe needle handling after this is over? <laughs> it's been a couple of years since it's happened. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and it's a pain in the ass if it happens to you as a healthcare worker because you've got yeah. to, like, get blood drawn. Yeah. And it's everybody's been there at some point, but it's, like, always scary and a pain in the ass. Lucy doth protest too much and filed a grievance against the consultants that had her removed from the unit and they had to issue her a letter of an apology a letter of apology it's not professional to say i'm not apologizing to that bitch i'll tell you a funny story about she can that die mad there. about it that's what yeah. i would say exactly <laughs> this is why i work for myself by myself this is why i'm not in management because i would be awful mm-hmm. i would be like now not doing that um and nurses are a, a crusty group of people too uh they're amazing they'll they'll save you. They'll give you a kidney. They will save your life. They will do anything for you. Will they'll they wipe g- your butt when you shart. <laughs> will they give you a glass of water? No. <laughs> um, so this is actually really sad and really interesting. And I have a personal connection to this. So this is really hard and really sad for me. Um, they did a blood test on one of the, on one of the babies that died. Um, And it was found that he um, had high levels of insulin in his blood when he died. And no C-peptides, which your body excretes along with insulin. So it proves that it was manufactured insulin. Um, 
And the records show um, there was two babies that had been poisoned. How is this bitch like an educated woman, registered nurse, did not know any of this would show up on a test? She didn't think they would check. She probably didn't think any. She probably didn't give a shit. No, she didn't think she would check. They would check and she didn't care. And I don't want to even think about the, the amount of insulin that you can give to a, a baby to, to kill them. That's that's. Oh, my God. Clover terrible. weighs nine pounds and she gets one unit. In the morning and one in the evening. Mm-hmm. And she's diabetic, so she needs yeah. that. And that's a very little amount of insulin. It barely gets out of the needle. And insulin is one of those things that when before you give it, you pull it up. And a lot of times, a lot of hospitals have, and I've worked in facilities that have policies that you have to show it to another nurse. Because it's so easy to like, what is that one? Is that two? Overdraw, yeah. Yeah, overdraw. Because it's so regulated and it is such a minute amount. So if you pull up a syringe and give it to them, Jesus. And if you tell us what happens if you give someone too much insulin. Um, it drops their blood sugar. Um, they can seize. They can become unresponsive. They can become very cold. They become very clammy and they, they can die. Clover, um, a couple months ago, had a hypoglycemic seizure. So she... Um, it can be very hard to regulate her insulin levels. And so sometimes just the one unit in the morning and the afternoon is like too much, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day it was too much and she, in the middle of the day, so right, so your insulin levels will go down in the middle of the day and then come back up like right mm-hmm. around dinner time. It had naturally dropped and it dropped too much because of the insulin. And so she had a seizure yeah. um, and that was really scary. Yeah, which is why levels, which is yes, 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 yes. yes, Thank you. Um, Or the sugar in your blood. Yeah, her BG. So she gets lunch now (laughs) the day to bring that to bring the BG back up. Yes. And it's and it could be something as simple as, you know, your blood sugar is tough to regulate. Sometimes on a good day, you know, you're dehydrated, you're out working and you don't eat. And then you can get a little bit low where you feel a little woozy a yeah. little woozy yeah she she looks like a drunk sailor walking around yeah when it's when it's slow. Yeah. fun fact all right so i'm going to give you a really easy way to figure out if you're around a diabetic and you don't know if they're high or low because that's always really dangerous and when in doubt you treat for hypoglycemia hypo yes yes when because in doubt treat can, for hypo this is what my vet said that we can deal for a little while with hyper like having too too yep. much bg yeah but the your bg being too low is deadly you can only get too low yeah. yeah you can only get so low um so here's how you know hot and dry sugar high so if somebody's skin is really dry and really hot their blood sugar is high and if their breath smells like a wine cooler mm. it's a fruity alcohol smell um, people will have come to the ER um, with high blood sugars and people have thought they were drunk because they smell like alcohol because you're in ketoacidosis. And their pee too. Not that you're smelling people's pee, but Clover's pee smells fruity when she's when high. she's too high. Yeah. Cold and clammy, get some candy. Hot and dry, sugar high, cold and clammy, get some candy. So if somebody's cold, they're wet. Um, how are you telling cats? I don't know. They're walking like a drunk sailor. That's how I know. Yes. She gets facial twitches too. Mm-hmm. That can happen. Um, and then you can rub, you can take icing and rub it inside somebody's cheek if they're... If she they're gets <laughs> caro syrup. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of liquidy syrup that they don't have to swallow if they can't swallow. If they can't swallow, they can have some juice. And then you give them peanut butter crackers. 
um, to have more of a stable blood sugar. The more you know. This is not medical advice. Talk to your medical professional. Talk to your medical professional. But if you're out in the wild. Poor Clovey. Um, I'm sleeping. (laughs) The other cause of death um, was force feeding. Because these are tiny babies. A force feed is... Easy to do because they have tiny tubbies. Yeah. But you follow the baby's cues. Yes. it's And it's easy. (laughs) Yeah. My nephew was the first baby I ever fed. And it's not hard because they will stop. They'll stop drinking when they're full. Or if they need a breath or they need to burp or something like that. My brother is 11 years younger than me. So I used to feed him when I was in middle school. Not all the time, but I would give him a bottle. It's not that hard. No, it's not. It's not that hard. Hold it up. Um, and the other one was air injection, mm-hmm. where you take a yeah, an air embolism, which yes. can be deadly. Right. Not enough. Little champagne bubble in the line is okay. Don't freak out. That's something that's like a big thing that patients worry about. They're like, is that going to hurt? It would be have to be like the whole IV fluid line of. And to also, do that to an adult. like when I give Clover her insulin, I'm pulling her her skin up and mm-hmm. injecting, so mm-hmm. it's not going into the bloodstream, anyways. Yeah, no, it's um. And subcutaneous or into the fat. So it's slowly. You can give um, one type of insulin intravenously, but that's more in an emergency when somebody's uh, fruity pee. Uh, fruity pee. <laughs> that's when you're giving it intravenously or it's, you know, glucose is extremely high. Usually glucose is around 80 to 120. So Lucy was there for all 25 incidents. She was the only worker that was on for all 25 Uh, So they had enough uh, evidence to arrest her in July of 2018. Um, They found medical records in her home. They found diaries, notes in her home, scribbling, saying, I'm evil, I killed him. Criminologist said, that's iffy. But Why is that iffy? It could have been just I'm not saying that. You're not saying that. No. They're not saying that. No. That's I'm saying iffy. what the criminologist said. I know, I said. know, I know. I, I and I'm, I'm challenging that. Yeah. That's not iffy. That's something is wrong with someone who has said that. Even if they're not guilty of something, that is not a normal thing to say. Correct. Or there's just saying it matter-of-factly. Or, well, something's wrong and you're traumatized. We're like, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have. I should have. But usually yeah. there's context clues for Usually that. there's context clues, yes. Yeah. Um, no clear motive. She didn't really have much to gain out of this. I thought originally that this was a little bit of Munchausen's by proxy. So like that she was trying to bring these babies to the brink of death and then save them. Yeah, that's... But that doesn't seem to be what was happening. No. No, because there would have been less deaths or she would have been more frantic she would have been trying to come in like the savior. She, yes, she would have been telling everyone. Yeah, she would have been telling um, everybody, and she wouldn't have been standing over watching the baby stop breathing. She would have been sounding all of the alarms and, oh, my goodness, we have to do this, and then and running the code and doing all the things. I think personally that this is a clear – I mean, Lucy is not my patient. Couldn't be me. I wouldn't do it anyway. No. But I think it's a pretty clear case of – wanting to exercise power and control over another, right? Because yeah. psychopaths seek out professions as it is where they where they can do those things. So they want to be uh, law enforcement officers. They want to be surgeons. They want to be some sort of profession where 
they have deciding power over someone living or dying or someone uh, acquiescing to their demands, things like that. Um, so I think that that's, I think she gassed every, like gassed herself up and mm-hmm. saying like, oh, you know, a nurse saved my life when I was little. So I want, I want to do that for someone else. I think that that's bullshit. I think she went into this profession because she had a desire to exert power and control over the most vulnerable and that's a really common story for a lot of people. They're like, oh, I met, I was sick when I was a kid and the nurse was really wonderful to me or my so-and-so was sick. And the Which nurse is, was- and I hear it too. Like my clients all the time are like, well, therapy has helped me so much. I want to be a therapist one day. Yeah. So it's a common tale. So for her to say that isn't outlandish. No, it's not outlandish. But in this case, it was a lie. Me deciding at a women's studies class that I wanted to be a nurse was a little weird. <laughs> Did you know that? Well, I know that you wanted to be a sex therapist at one point. I did. I did. Or I wanted, yeah, I wanted to be a sex therapist or a therapist. I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. Which would have been a long fucking road because even just to get to therapist is a long road, but then you have to tack on sex therapist another couple years. No. And now I'm like, I'm good. Uh, (laughs) No, I stumbled onto the right thing. No, I was in a women's studies class and the professor's like, we're going to watch my dissertation that I did on nursing. And I'm sitting in the class and I'm like, all right. Hmm. You were like, mm, I could do this. <laughs> I could be a nurse. I'd be a good one, wouldn't I? And and then I was like, wait a minute, I'm in fucking upstate Vermont. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be doing this. And then I had very bad seasonal depression and I came home and I became a nurse. Um, and I called my parents and I'm like, by the way, this isn't and working. You, you texted me and you told me because you were a vegetarian for a while. And you texted me and said, I had a Big Mac and I felt closer to God. <laughs> it was a chicken quesadilla. I swear to God. It was a chicken quesadilla. <laughs> I might have. I mean, I might have too. But the first thing I ate when I started eating meat again, because I needed some sort of B vitamin. I had a serotonin molecule I was working with that I, they like, I got like ordered a cheese quesadilla and they fucked it up and gave me chicken and I just like ate it. And I was like, oh, I feel a little bit better. And then I'm like, meat's probably way better. Um, I do love Big Macs still. So Lucy was examined, really good with answering the medical questions, which is she still went through the schooling and is still a freaking nurse. Um, you can teach anybody medical shit, but like the nursey nurse stuff, like where it's in your core to help people, that's different. You can't um, teach that, yeah. No. She said she was pretty flat, which makes sense. She said, well, and this is the part that like kind of casted a... Not even a shadow of a doubt in my head, but it like it's something that rang bells for me. They're like, why were you always there? And she said, we were always short-staffed and I always agreed to pick up extra shifts. That's feasible. But why, babes? I know. But hospitals being chronically short-staffed is a thing. And I think, again, I'm going back to trying to remember what the NHS is like, but I know it's structured, the pay is structured much differently than it is here in the United States. So like, it, I could be wrong. Our UK people tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that doctors and nurses over there get paid less than doctors and nurses over here. It might. Um, And I don't know what they're, I am, I was trying to like, look, I was thinking of looking up ratios, but I, I mean, it's government, they have socialized healthcare, so it's, it's government subsidized. So that might be the reason why they get paid less. Right. She agreed to work extra shifts. She was equipped to handle the sickest patients. So she had like the extra training and the unit was understaffed. She was interviewed for seven days. Couldn't be me. I always say if I ever had to get interrogated, they'd have to do it in the bathroom. They had to do that at 
Not while I was working there, but at a pharmacy I worked at because some Schedule II drugs, which are the ones that they keep in the safe and can only be counted by the pharmacist, a couple of them were missing. They interviewed everyone in the pharmacy. Uh, Couldn't be me. I would be... Shit, I would I know, I interview would be, me on the toilet. <laughs> yeah, they would, I would say, I need to be in a bathroom. Um, <laughs> so the jury deliberated for five weeks. That seems so long. But you are dealing with a person's freedom. and Right, and we yeah. have to remember that the law doesn't care about emotion. Right. So when we think about this case, we feel very emotional because these are babies and we want this woman to... And I take it personally as a nurse. I take right. it very personally. But the law doesn't give a shit that you're offended. It yeah. doesn't care that you are upset by this, even even if it's rightfully so. So they had to weed through a lot. So that what they're looking at, I mean, in the United States, right, what they're looking at is, the, is there reasonable doubt? Mm-hmm. Because if there isn't any, then okay, we can convict this person or we can, right. you know, make our decision. Yes. So the jury deliberated for five weeks and here's what she was found guilty of murdering seven babies um that like makes me sick to even say um attempting to murder six babies and she was not guilty of two attempted murders and they were undecided on other six other attempts which it's like weird that you can come out with an undecided I mean, because you need the evidence. Right. You need hard evidence. I mean, I think in the court of public opinion, fuck yeah, she's guilty yeah. of all of that. Yeah. The hospital, you know, sent out a thoughts and prayers statement. Um, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Um, that would have been better. Thoughts and <laughs> prayers. Um, 13 babies died in a year. Lucy was present for all of them. Two died while she was training. And after she left, um, there was new management. The unit no longer cares for such sick babies. I have thoughts on that. And there's only been one death in seven years. This leads me to believe, and this is also two things could be true at the same time. She could have done all of these terrible things and the unit could have been taking care of babies that were too sick to be on their unit. Yeah, that's true. It's not an ICU is an ICU is an ICU. That's not the case. Um, there are smaller hospitals that have little ICU that have like, you know, community hospitals that have smaller ICUs. Some might even have a small NICU, but the level of care they provide isn't the same as a tertiary or a larger medical center. Right. You know, that are attached to universities or those huge yeah, like trauma centers. Yeah. Like you want to take if somebody has really bad medical trauma, you want to take them to a specialized place, not just right. any but any hospital. Right. So they could, you know, the the babies that are born a little premature, the multiples births that have like a lower birth weight, those are babies that you can feasibly care for there. Higher level, ship them out. And I've, you know, you've wor- I've worked at bigger facil- bigger hospitals and community hospitals, too. And the- you do that in a community hospital. It's nothing Which, against you. It's that's just... What, you know, my sister had my nephew at a community hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, they shipped him out to a larger hospital with a, a better equipped NICU. Even though he wasn't, like, he was, um, he had the cord wrapped around his neck in utero. Right. Um, so that's what part of what made it a complicated birth. So they had to, you know, monitor him after he was born for a little while. But... Um, some, like I said, some of the babies that were in there were much more severe cases. Right. Right. Micro preemies, all that. I can't, I, the feet on the babies that were premature, like like the size of my fingernail. 
Yeah, it's just, it's un, it's unbelievable. And, and the nurses there that were like, I know they're really tiny, but you can't look at them. Like it's like it's a HIPAA thing, you know. So they were they were just like kind of blocking it with their bodies. They were like, I know they're very cute, but you can't look at them. You're like that wasn't. Yeah, you're like I'm. I'm more. You were more stunned than anything else. Yeah, and they knew that they were. They, they were very kind, of course. Yeah, but I, you're I also very protective. To... Yeah, because you know how sick they are. Yeah, nurses. They become nurses are very fucking protective of their patients. They're very territorial. They're very, yeah, they take it all very personally. And I think that's why they hold themselves and others to such a high standard because I feel the same way about like, um, like vet techs, because Mm -hmm. like, I know when I take the girls to the vet that those vet techs care as much about my pets as they care about their own pets. Like they're very empathetic people. They're very compassionate people. And I'm glad that they care that much because I want to know my babies are in good hands. Absolutely. I always say if I wouldn't do it to my mom, I wouldn't do it to yours. Yeah, you're all my family. Yeah, you're all my family. If you're my patient, I'm taking care of you like like you're my relatives. Mm-hmm. I won't sassy as much. Well, no, I'm pretty sassy. Um, with love. Yeah. Like Someone should- will die. Of fun. Of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... We take it... Yeah, we take it very personally. And... Like this, this bitch was found to do these really. This bitch crying during her trial. Like, shut the fuck up. No one cares what happens. Who are you crying for? Nobody gives a shit. Herself. You are like public enemy number one now. Yeah, yeah. You you can't kill babies. No, you can't kill babies. That's ugh. Get over yourself. Yeah, this. I can't can't imagine what's gonna happen to her in prison. They probably have to keep her in a special unit. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's you don't in a women's prison too. Yeah, right. Yeah, and those are. Women in there that are probably missing their babies. Uh-huh. Or yeah. something happened to their babies, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Or their babies are in foster care because they're in there. And she's going to willfully. And what makes me really sad, well, it all makes me really sad. A lot of, they interviewed a couple of the parents. And also you can just sort of infer. A lot of them had like a hard time conceiving. And this was, you know, like a rainbow baby for them. Um and I, yeah. the other thing, too, is I, I was watching a video from Law and & Crime, and they interviewed one of the lawyers that was representing a couple of the families, and he was saying that a big thing was that they didn't know how to navigate the, the healthcare system. So, like, they wanted to raise the alarm, but they didn't know how, because yeah. you don't know the system and you don't understand how it works, and you bring it up to one person, and the person says, oh, well, there's something we could do about that. What else are you supposed to do? Right. Like you and I know, like yeah. we have different pathways. We it's can take, hard. But most people don't know that. Yeah, I mean, even the educational system, right? Like I, when I worked in a school, I would talk to a lot of parents who didn't know you can do X, Y, Z. Like, and navigating the healthcare system is, is, is so difficult. It's tough for me and I get paid to navigate it and it's still difficult. And I help, you know, you help your patients and you help your clients and you help your families get through it. But between insurance companies and bureaucracy and all that bullshit, it's next I to impossible. I always tell people two things. Well, three things, actually. Number one, you are paying for a service. Mm-hmm. You deserve to get something sure. as compensation for the payment you are making. Number two, be a Karen, right? Like, if something is going wrong, speak to the manager. Speak to that person's manager. Speak to that person's manager. Take it all the way to the top! Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the third one I was going to say? I can't remember if it goes beyond that, but like, 
That's you, good. You have a right to have things sorted out. Like you as a patient have rights. Um, and if you don't feel like you're being heard, take it to somebody else. And I feel like if you're taking it to to manager, to manager, to manager, to manager, at some point, you have to go to some other body yeah. to make those complaints. So if it's a licensing board, that's where you go. And, yeah. and you document everything that you've done, you know. I talked to Jordan. I talked to her manager. I talked to her manager's manager. Nobody did anything. So now I am making a complaint to Jordan's licensing board, and I want you to investigate this. <laughs> it was unfounded. Don't report <laughs> She didn't do it. Now. But that's what you do. And I would tell my clients to do the same thing about I would too, me yeah. if they had a problem with something I did. Yeah. And also, I want to make it better. And we shouldn't be afraid either. No. Because, like... The licensing board isn't there to protect us from everything, but they're also, they act as like a filter, right? So right. like if you came and you were like, I don't like the way Kayla talked to me, they would be like, okay, Good well, you. that sucks, but we're not going to do anything Yeah. versus Kayla showed up at my house at three o'clock in the morning when was trying to, I don't know, have a session with me for some reason. I think she's losing it. They would do something about that. Right. And sometimes it's a good thing. You're like, well, I had a ripping UTI and didn't know about it or my whatever levels were off. Yes. It's a a good thing. That's why they have licensing boards. They're not there to take your license away. It's just like, okay, what's going on here? They are acting Um, as oversight. They are. And especially with, in, with nursing and substance abuse, which is much too prevalent, they don't take your stuff away right away. They don't take your license right away. You're offered rehab. You're offered support services, as you should, because a lot of times you got the issues because of the work that you were doing. So, you know, in, unfortunately, there are people that lose their licenses because of substance abuse, but it's not for lack of anything on anybody right. else's time. And it might just so be their rock bottom. All that to say, like, if you feel like you need to make a complaint, don't think that you're ruining someone's life necessarily, because like the mm-hmm. board is going to take into account, um, does the punishment fit the crime right. kind of thing, right? Does this person just need education? You know, do they need a warning? Do they, what do they need? Um, in therapy, I know that some people will have their license taken away for X amount of months or a year, but they can reapply at the end of that right. with like, it's like almost provisional. You know what I mean? Cause every time I reapply for my license, I have to report if I've committed a felony yep, or so if I. I've had my license suspended. So, yep. um, we have to be transparent about that stuff too. Always. Yeah. And we haven't, but that's good. And fuck Lucy Leppy. I hope she okay. suffers in prison. I think she will. Where can they find us, Kay? Oh, you can find us at BiopsychPod on Instagram. And you can find us at BiopsychoSocial, a podcast. On Facebook. On Facebook, yes. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, <laughs> I started a YouTube channel. Yes, she did. Kayla Hart's Horror. It's about horror stuff. So if you don't like that, that's fine. You don't have to check it out. I still check it out, or you can just like leave it playing like I do, just so she can get some more views. Um, <laughs> I'm very supportive. I do not like horror. It would be funny if you did an episode with me, and I like, I did, and I did red goosebumps. <laughs> that would be funny. Hard episode, but a good episode. So um, be kind to yourself. Drink plenty of water. Um, enjoy various fall activities. Wear your flannel. Yes. Yeah. Have fun. We love you. Do it. Bye. Bye.